What's going on, coaches? Uh, really excited. I'm sure if, if you guys follow us at all on social media, you've seen, but uh, my high school, Broken Arrow, uh, won their very first state championship this year. Uh, went 13-0. and It's been uh, over 100 years since we've ever won one, and so uh, really exciting off-season week that I've had this, this last week. Uh, but now excited to get back into the swing of the things with the podcast with Coach Walls. Uh, and excited about what we're going to be bringing to you guys here in the near future in late February. On top of our free and premium memberships that we are uh, turning out to you guys on runthepower.com, we'll also be in late February bringing you guys uh, our RTP virtual summit. Uh, we're going to have a lot of football coaches, 14 football coaches. Uh, they're going to all clinic over uh, their specialty, and we're going to put that all out there for you guys for free. If you guys will watch it live in late February, and we'll be more details, we're going to give it to you guys absolutely free. We, we are in love with this idea. We can't wait to uh, bring it to you guys. Uh, so you guys stay tuned and, and um, look to see what we're coming out with here in the next few weeks and the next few months. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. It's really cool. Uh, Team Builder set up a wonderful de deal for our listeners only. Visit their website and start a 14-day free trial. Enter the promo code RTP and then we'll load a 10-week football offseason tro training program onto your trial account absolutely free. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Go visit them at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com, and on your free trial, uh, enter the RTP code. This episode is also brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, uh, that being Broken Arrow and Ankeny High School, they both invested in Guardian Caps this year, uh, and, and we feel they're helping our guys. Broken Arrow, we're a, a, a tough smash mouth team, uh, and, and it's helped our guys out, and it's helped our helmets out. They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice, used uh, by over 100 colleges and thousands of high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them. Uh, go check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and get some pricing. Uh, and the, the coolest part, especially other than the safety of the, of the kids for coaches, is the, is the price. Uh, they're a lot more affordable uh, than you would think when it comes to helmets. Uh, and, and it's a helmet cover, but anything to do with helmets is normally very expensive. They're, they're very affordable. Uh, go check them out at guardiancaps.com. Uh, last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level. With new and used headsets, end zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one -on -one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communications at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com by email at info at sidelinepower.com or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Brady Gravold. 
Coach Graybolt is currently the head coach at Fort Atkinson High School in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Listen as we talk with Coach Graybolt about his playing days and what he learned as a future coach at the Division Three Power Wisconsin Whitewater, his early coaching days in high school, and his insight as a new head coach in Wisconsin. You can follow Coach Graybold through his writings for USA Football and on Twitter, at Coach Graybold. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, so uh, my name is Coach Brady Graybold, uh, the head coach at Fort Atkinson High School in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Um, a little bit about my football journey. You know, I was born into a football family. My dad's been a head coach and assistant coach for almost 30 years. Um, so I got had the opportunity to play under him when I was in high school. Um, you know, and that was a unique experience and kind of seeing it from that lens, having your father as your head coach. And he's also your father. So, uh, figuring out when football's done, is he's going back to dad. And when football's on, he's football coach. Um, so it was an experience that most people didn't get to uh, – don't don't have or can't really say they've ever gone through. And then I uh, played two years in Northern Michigan, transferred from there to University of Wisconsin Whitewater, and played there in 2012, 13, and 14. Um, won two national championships, was part of some great teams there. Uh, just a really awesome experience and you know, one of the best football programs in the uh, you know, entire United States of America. And then I spent my first three years coaching at Sun Prairie High School, one of the biggest high schools in the state of Wisconsin. We were uh, Division One state runner-up, and then this. Spring, I just took a new head uh, head football coaching job for Atkinson. Well, that's a that's a pretty quick uh, uh, scaling up to a head coach. Was that uh, what, what was the decision like to go from you know coaching for three years and and out of college not too long ago to uh, you know becoming a head coach? I uh, you know there's a couple factors. You know, I I said going into this and I wanted to uh, come out of high school. You know, there were only ten schools I really applied to in the state of Wisconsin. They're all pretty much football parts. So I'd really like to get into one of these or try my hand at college football. And I got into one of them. Um, the head coach where I was at is actually he played at the same university as I did. He's been there for Coach Kaminsky. has been there for about I think he's nineteen or going on his twentieth year. So he's been there for a while. He's one of the best in the state of Wisconsin. Got to learn from him. And then you know the job that I just took was at the school I student taught at so I was familiar with the administration I knew the old coach there and he's now the athletic director um and I would say listen if, if it was a good fit I'd give it a run and apply for it you know I, I said I only want to apply a place that I think they can win football games um you know and I care about football I think that's the biggest thing is you know everyone wants to be a head coach and people take jobs just to get the title and I said listen the title doesn't matter to me I was really happy where I was at but you know that, that was a big decision when I when I decided I wanted to try and get a head coaching job, I said, I want to be at a place that cares about football and football is important in school culture. And, you know, the kids care about all the communities behind it, you know, not just take a title, just to, you know, put that on a resume and say, well, I was a head coach. You know, I, I think that was a big decision, but <laughs> it definitely, like I said, it was a, you know, it was a big move, you know, it's only about 35, 40 minutes from where I'm at, but you know, it's a kind of a life change. You got to pick up schools and, you know, do that whole thing. So it's been an experience, it's been fun. It's a, challenging no doubt but definitely a definitely a good time is your dad still coaching uh he well he's gonna come help us now you know oh uh, wow there you go yeah he's gonna come so he, he's a principal about two hours north of where i'm at um but he's gonna come down and help out on friday nights until he can get further down here um so i pretty much worked for him when i got into college my first two years i when i was playing in college i had redshirted my first year i didn't travel so every friday night i'd travel wherever they were and go help them out 
And uh, now the tables have turned. You know, I told him he, he takes orders from me. <laughs> so I told him, I said, you can, I said, you can have a headset. That's no doubt. I said, I'd love to have you on a headset, but what I say goes. I said, it's not it is, it's not what you say goes anymore. And he got a kick out of that. But, you know, it, it'll be, like I said, it's, that's an experience. You know, I hope kind of the reason I got into high school ball now that was a big factor is, you know, I thought that'd be really cool to get the chance to do it with him and you know he was really successful a couple of conference championships he'd been in the semifinals in Michigan when he was coaching there twice so it's a, it's a unique experience that a lot of people don't get to is uh, do something with their dad that they both love was he pretty hard on you then as a as a player or was he you know did he kind of maybe put you on the other side of the ball because I know my dad was a, a coach too and he kind of stayed away from me and my brother just because he didn't want all the blowback from uh, parents and things like that. Yeah, well, when you have 19 kids on your varsity team and you're a Division Seven team in Michigan out of the eight divisions, uh, you don't really get to avoid your dad. So uh, it, it was like it was a unique experience. My junior year, I'd never played quarterback, and we needed a quarterback at the time. He's like, listen, I'm going to have you play quarterback. You've been around the plays. You've been around the offense since, you know, you could walk. You know, do it. So I did it, and then – our senior year, we only had 19 kids. Like I said, we started the year 5-0. and oh. We were one of the best teams in the state. And then one of my best friends broke his foot. He was our starting linebacker and our starting guard. You know, all-state type kid. He breaks his foot. Now we're down to 18 kids, and we replaced him with a sophomore or junior at the time. So, but it, it was, like I said, it was a unique experience. He was really good at knowing when football time was football time. And I was just another guy, you know, even though I was his kid, per se. Um, you know, he didn't treat me any differently. But he also said, you know, it's as soon as football is done, I'm going back to his son and what he says goes. And, you know, I think mom had a big hand in that for her sanity. Um, <laughs> she definitely said, for when, when you get home, there's no football. So you can talk other football, but you're not talking, you know, your practice or your game or if you're mad at him in practice, you don't get to be mad at him at home. So she was really good about keeping football at football and keeping home at home. That's awesome. I, I, I love hearing that. Uh, I, I remember there was a couple times I, I moved back home too and, and I, I had the chance, you know, to, to be closer to my dad and, and got to know him a little bit better after I'd kind of gotten out of school and, and was coaching. I always kind of said the same thing, like, Hey, you know, if they, they asked me to be a head coach here, I, I know I'd, I'd like to hire. And he's like, Hey, I'd, I'd love to do it. Chance never came. But I mean, I think that's gotta be a really cool opportunity for you to, to be able to do that on Friday night with your dad being there on the headset with you. Right. And like I say, you know, it's, it's a unique experience because he, he's a different perspective. You know, he's been – he coached small school ball almost all his life. You know, he started really big. He started at Marquette High School in Marquette, Michigan. And, you know, probably not familiar with uh, Michigan football, but his first ever game was against Traverse City High School, and they were one consolidated. I think they were number 15 in the entire country at yeah. the time. But he, he's kind of had small school ball. And, then, you know, the school I was at had 2,400 kids. Now the one I'm going to is about a, just under 1,000. I mean, it's just, you know, it's different brands of football, but it's interesting to hear – his perspective on he's been around the games because he played in the 1980s in college and just how, you know, everyone says so much has changed. So it's just dialed up differently, you know, so he's still got a ton of perspective and a ton of, you know, insight to the game. Um, and just, you know, the value that he can add. And like I said, you know, being your dad, you know, he'll be, at least he's going to be honest with you. You know, he might not always tell you what you like, but he's going to be honest with you, but, I said, I think he, I think he got a kick out of me telling him, "Listen, you take my orders now." <laughs> what I said, what I says, what we're doing. If you don't like it too bad, you're on board or you're off staff. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's just this is how it's gonna be. 
That's awesome. Yeah, my dad's a, a 3A school uh, head coach. He's been there for whatever, I think 25 years or something crazy. So uh, I've always thought that'd be a really cool experience. I, I doubt that I'll ever get that experience, but uh, that'd be a really cool one. So I'm kind of curious, uh, so, you know, he's been a coach. Uh, again, you, you kind of jumped into head coaching fairly quickly in your career. Did he have any big advice when you were kind of deciding whether you were going to take it or, or uh, um, you know, whether you're going to jump at that chance or not? Uh, you know, his advice has always been, um, you know, if you're going to go for a job, go for it. You know, don't don't go for a job and then get to it and say, eh, if I get offered this, I don't know if I'm going to accept it or not. He's always said, listen, your best job is where you're at, but if you think you can take a job that you can excel at, you want to go for it, go for it. Um, you know, he he's always, been, like I said, been good about letting it kind of play out and do that. And I think, you know, there's also been some big piece of advice that helps that the, the school I'm currently at was my defensive coordinator's graduating high school when he was in high school coach Borland who's now at the uh, state university at Buffalo with coach Leifold out there he graduated from Fort Atkinson and coach Borland's dad was the head coach at Fort Atkinson before the um, old head coach I just took over for so he had a lot of input and kind of you know giving some advice on community and that but I I think the big one is you know if you're going to go for a job just go for it you know and don't say you know any job's too big or too small or you know, I don't know if I can do this, if I get it. You know, like I said, if you're, if you're going to want a job, you got to put your best foot forward and give a shot. You know, and, you know, I, I think too many people have said, well, you know, so-and-so might be this or they might not have the experience or, you know, I don't, I don't know about going there. I don't think I'm going to get it. Well, if you don't try, you never know. You know, just, life is far too short to sit back and say, oh, yeah, I could have tried it, but I decided not to. So, I mean, you might as well give it a shot, and especially in the game of football, I mean. You never know. You catch a break here or there. I mean, difference between winning a lot of games, losing a lot of games, and you know being really successful. I mean, that margin for error is really small. So I don't think it's as crazy as some people think. You know, to go and get a head job like that. Well, Coach Walls, you took a head job fairly early in your career as well. So I'm kind of curious to know, kind of from both of you guys, you know, maybe. But what are some of the things that maybe you didn't foresee happening that that you have to take care of? as a head coach, you know, I think everyone thinks, especially offensive line coaches, stupid offensive line coaches like me, you know, you're the head coach, you get to coach everybody and, and football's all great, but then you get to really know those head coaches and they've got so much stuff they've got to, they've got to do behind the scenes and away from football, you know, that kind of takes them away from the game, all of the, just, just all of the operations standpoint and all of that. So uh, maybe from both of you guys, what are some of those things that, you didn't maybe even foresee happening that you're like, oh man, I, I got to take care of this thing too. Oh, I yeah, guess so I, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go ahead, go, go ahead, ahead, coach. Go. You're on it. You, you, you've done it more uh, recently than me, so I'll let you roll with it. <laughs> I would say it's 100% the administration. You know, football's football. You know, you can go to Texas, California, Oklahoma, whatever. You run inside zone, it ain't different here than it is there. Right. You know, you want to run smash route. Smash ain't here, it's different here than it is there. You know, that, that stuff. The football part of it is football. And the game planning is game planning. Anybody can do that. I mean, you can figure out what you want to do and go with it. I think it's the administrative side of things of, you know, I joke because I'm, I'm still close with a lot of the Whitewater guys and the staff there is, you know, college football, you don't have to contact 140 parents. And you don't have to contact and get spirit pack forms and <laughs> mm-hmm. make sure kids are there on camp and no one's playing a second sport. I mean, it's. You know, there's a good there's a good thread on Coach Huey that I was reading about. You know, why is you know why are people's numbers on this and that? You know, we, we kind of ran into that. Is sometimes football is every you know a kid's second sport, and they come and say, "Listen, I got, I'm going to go play baseball all summer, but when football time comes around, I'm 100% in for football." You know, you got to be 
you know, you got to sit on the back burner and you're going to say, you know, as a football guy, I absolutely love the sport. I, you know, the sport I love most. It's what I want to do for a living. It's what I, you know, currently do for a living and everything like that. And then you got to say, huh, you know, this kid, does he love football? Does he just want to come play football? So I think it's, from that perspective, it's just the management and keeping everyone informed and being organized. And I think that's common across America is you want to look at really good high school football programs are organized. They have a direction that they're going. The parents are involved. Um, I, I think that part is, that part's a lot harder than the game planning per se uh, and just keeping everything in line and making sure you're organized and everyone's going in the same direction. Yeah, I, I completely agree with your, your last statement there, you know, keeping everybody in the same direction. You know, hiring a staff was the most difficult. And you're at a, a small school, you're, you're kind of stuck with people. And, and Harper, I had to find an offensive line coach. I, I didn't have one at my, my first job. I, I had to pull, pull a guy who had just gotten out of college. And I, th- I think he was working as like a, a welder or, you know, doing something kind of, you know, ar- around there in Nebraska, but he played offensive line. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take this guy. He, he knew zone blocking. He knew the pass protections I wanted. So you, you kind of get, get stuck with guys when you take a job that late, you know, you're, you're kind of, you kind of get there, but then having to manage a staff. And then it's like coach said, the, the same stuff. Okay. Now you're going to have to go right into fundraising. All right. What am I going to order for my guys? You know, I wanted to give, all my guys workout gear and things that they could, could practice in because I wanted to kind of look the same. So, I mean, it's just small things like that, that kind of pop up that you, you need to be able to, to go in and, and get done that you'd never thought of, you know, because when you're a young coach, all you're trying to do is, is learn the, the science of football. I'm trying to learn blocking schemes. I'm trying to learn pass plays. And all of a sudden when I was thrust into that position, I wasn't ready for all the administrative stuff because that wasn't stuff that I had studied. So I had to learn on the job. And then, you know, Coach Gravel also said, having to deal with, with parents, you know, I, those were some of my first parent meetings and I never, never had to deal with pissed off parents before. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, th- that was an experience in and of itself. And you're kind of like, you're sitting there like, man, that person was the craziest person I've ever talked to in my life. And then all of a sudden you have to sit back and you look at it from their point of view. It's like the only thing they care about, they couldn't care two, two craps about you winning football games, some, some of these people. They just want their kid to be on the field. And they think that if their son didn't rush for a thousand yards, all of a sudden you hated their kid, you know? So, I mean, having to, to handle those conversations really makes you grow up fast as the coach because I'd never even thought about it. And all of a sudden, boom, you're thrust into it. Your name's on the, the program and you got to handle it. You know, and I'm going to add to that. I, I think it's, you know, for people going into it, I think it's a lot like when you're going, like I'm a history major in college. Being a history major is a lot like being an assistant coach. So the head coach says, you need to learn how to coach defensive back and do it really well get the technique. It's like history. You're just kind of learning history. You're doing that thing. But then they say, hey, go teach history. Well, now you got a classroom full of 30 kids, and if a situation <laughs> pops up and you've never dealt with it, how do you do it? Yeah. How do you handle it? You know, it's a lot of – I said, from my two months of doing this, it's a lot of learning on the fly. You know, mm-hmm. it helps. You know, we got a really good athletic director. I mean, that, that'll make your life a thousand times easier. But – I like it into that is you know, there's a lot of stuff that until you get to do it, I can't sit there and tell you, well, if a parent's mad, what do you do? I don't know. What's the parent like? They, yeah. you know, what do they do? How's their kid? Is their kid a starter? Is their kid not a starter? You know, I think that's just a little bit trial by fire. I don't think there's any book or any manual that can fully prepare you for it. There's no doubt. And I, I was the same way too. I had a, a really good athletic director. You know, he'd been around the block. I think shoot, he'd been working 30 or 40 years. 
and honestly, that he, he he was the AD kind of like by default. They just paid him like a stipend. Harp, I think he was making like three grand to be the AD. <laughs> I mean, it was it was classic. But he could handle all those different things, and he was the same kind of guy that would always back you on it, you know. And and if he sat in a meeting with you, you know, he'd be there. Hey, Coach Walls is doing the right thing here. Coach Walls knows what he's got going on. I mean, I think that stuff really, really helps. And then you could kind of have a little meeting with him afterwards and say, like, hey, you know, maybe we can handle it this way or maybe we can handle it that way. But completely agree with you, Coach Gravold. It's it's learning on the fly. It's it's learning from mistakes, kind of taking notes and then taking inventory of it. And then, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Or, okay, maybe I can try this. There, there's no question about it. One of, the, one of the things we've talked about, you know, a bunch on the podcast is there's there's a, you know, a million different ways to coach an offensive lineman for zone steps, right? Whatever, however many different ways, 20 different ways to teach zone and 18 different ways to run power and teach the, that technique and stuff. So one of the most difficult parts, I think, for a head coach is they've got their ways they like to teach whatever, you know, all throughout the gamut. They like quarterback steps to be like this. They like their zone steps to be like this, tailback to do this, 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 this. And then they become a head coach and – now it's like that balancing act of letting your coach still coach because there's a million different ways that things still work, you know, and, and kind of putting your – the way you think things should be done a little bit on the back burner as long as, you know, that coach is still doing something that's sound. Uh, you know, it's something that I got extremely lucky. You know, we've got an offensive line coach that's our head coach, played in the NFL for 10 years, and I'm sure there's about half the things that I do that he wouldn't do it the same but doesn't micromanage me. He thinks that it's sound in the way that I'm doing it. So it kind of lets me do my thing and lets me coach. So uh, can you talk on a little bit, just have you had any difficulties with that? And maybe not difficulties, but, but where you had to sit there and think, okay, it is sound. It's not the way I would do it, but I, you know, I kind of got to let my coaches, you know, be their own coach. Right. And I think that's the big thing is, you know, you don't want to micromanage. And we, we sat and we talked with our youth program with that. And we said, listen, we're going to give you two base run plays, six base pass concepts. But if you want to dress them up differently, as long as they're sound and they make sense to everyone and that's what along the lines of what we're doing, I don't want to micromanage it. You know, I, I think there's a real fine line between doing things the way you'd like it and micromanaging your staff and saying, nope, that's not how it's done. Nope, that's not how it's done. You know, I, I think there's people out there that think there's only one way. You know, that's, that's, we talked about that as a staff. If we said, you know, how do you get four in addition? You know, you can add four plus zero. You can add three plus one. You can add two plus two. There's three different ways to get the answer of four. And some people would say, no, the answer is two plus two. And say, well, I can tell you three different ways we can get to that answer. You know, and I think that's the important thing is, you know, especially as a head guy, you know, I'm learning that as we're going here is, you know, there's certain things when we do certain drills, it has to be done a specific way because that's how it's done. It's how it works. I want it done that way. But when we go to something like, you know, team and we say, hey, you know, let's try to run this play this way. You know, let's change it up here. I'm all for suggestions and I'm completely open to stuff. And as long as it's sound and in the scheme that we're doing, I'm good with it. You know, Don Brown talks about it a lot when he watches football. He says when he's watching football, he looks for schemes that are very similar to the scheme they run in Michigan. If they can fit it in there, he's going to do it. But if it's completely something different, he's not going to do it. You know, and that's the kind of the same way here is, you know, if our quarterback's throwing the ball well and they're teaching it, you know, using an R4 system or using his own terminology that our quarterback coach made up, I really don't give a rip as long as the quarterback's throwing the ball on time and it's accurate. You know, I think 
there's a fine, there's a fine line. Cause there's a thing. I, I don't think we hire anybody that we don't trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to trust the guy I hire and I'm going to put them in a position that we're going to, you know, at least put ourselves to be successful, you know, and let them coach. You know, I, I think as an assistant coach, I think that was the biggest thing we were allowed to do when I was here at um, Sun Prairie beforehand is we were told this is what we're doing in the scheme. This is what we need to have done. You figure out the way that you're going to get it done. You know, and if it works, we're good with it. And if it doesn't work, you better make an adjustment. And I think that's the big thing is, you know, you hire assistants that love the game and they're giving their best effort. You know, I think it's really demoralizing if you walk over and say, listen, that's not how this is done. You need to do it this way. And they can say, well, you know, this is how we've always done it. It's been really successful, and that's how I know it best. You know, I think you got to let people do what they know best and um, how they can teach it to the kids. You know, as long as the kids understand, it, that's a big thing. I don't care. We can know all the terminology in the world, but if the kids don't get it and they can't do it, then, you know, we're totally wrong on that end. Coach, what are some things that you kind of brought from, you know, either Sun Prairie or, or Whitewater? Because I know, I mean, Whitewater, what a great program. And Coach Leopold, obviously a, a great head coach. I've met him a couple of times too. You know, what, what are some things maybe you took from them or maybe some things that you kind of came up with on your own or, or maybe you, you'd stole from someplace else? You know, going into your, your Fort Atkinson job, you know, did you kind of go some pillars of success, you know, offense, defensive philosophy? What are some things that you've kind of gone into it? Obviously not giving away all your new secrets for any of the listeners up there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, you know, one of the biggest things he was really good at, and he, and I think there's a reason why they're so successful at Buffalo, is he's really stressed with little things. You know, you're a second late for a meeting, you're late. You know, five mm-hmm. minutes early is on time. Um, you know, if you're going to be late, you better contact someone an hour ahead of time, unless it's an emergency that comes up. You know, defensively, we're going to, everyone's going to fly the football and, you know, we're going to double whistle the heck out of our defense and get there. You know, offensively, we're in the state of Wisconsin. So, you know, we had tornadoes the other day and now it's 94 and sunny and it's going to rain tomorrow and it might snow by the end of July. So you got to be able to run the football. Yep. You know, that was a mantra by Waters, Palm the Rock. You got to be able to run the ball. You know, I think that's the, uh, you know, I, I, as cliche as this is going to sound, it's keep it simple and play fast. You know, I think, you know, everyone's looking for the magic answer of, you know, I, I think, give you an example, Football Scoop had that big article on Lincoln Riley. What are his schemes? What are they doing? He basically came out and said, yeah, we have enough schemes that we know what we're doing, but we only have a limited amount of time, so we've got to teach it to the kids, and they got to be able to execute it. You know, and you can have you know, 90 different run plays and you can have 50 different pass plays and they all look great. But if you can't do any of them really well, then what's the point of having them? I'd rather have 10 plays that we run to perfection than have 60 plays that we're so, so at whenever we run them. And I think that was the big thing is, you know, when we were at Whitewater, our defense was, you know, we had, I think maybe 30 total plays. You know, we played a lot of base cover four versus teams and just sat in and said, listen, you know, we're in cover four. You have to beat us at it. And I think, that's a big thing. Make teams beat you. Don't beat yourself. Uh, that was a big thing I took away from Whitewater is we were pretty plain Jane. We're going to run the ball unless you can, until you can stop it, and we're going to make you throw the ball on us. And if you can't throw the ball, we're going to stop the run. Uh, I, think there's, I think there's really simple answers to win football games. you got to run the ball, stop the run, make teams throw the outsides. I mean, like I said, I, I don't know if, <laughs> if anyone's listening. I don't know if I'm going to give a magic answer per se, but I, I think all stuff that – you know, gets lost in translation. People say, yeah, 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 but what's the next thing we can do? You know, I'll say, you know, like when we go into defense, we want two hands to the near hip taken off every time. You know, you don't get two hands to the near hip, that's a missed tackle. And the kids, you know, they start understanding, like, all right, this is how we want it done. And then they start doing that and they see the success of it. And, you know, I think it's, like I said, you got to keep it really simple. You got to be really good at the little things. You know, you got to be perfect at the little things before you can start doing anything to add on to that. 
I completely agree. And I mean, yeah, I think you see important. it, you see it at, I mean, every, every single level, the teams that are winning championships are the ones that run the ball the best and play great defense. I mean, you, you could, you could go right down the line, North Dakota state, whitewater, Mount union, you know, Alabama, all these teams, they can run the ball. They play great defense. It's just the way it is. Right. Well, you know, the, the thing to add on to that is, yeah, you can be complex in what you're doing. You know, that's not to say, listen, you, you can run inside zone out of 30 different formations and there's shifts and there's motions and this and you can dress it all up. But at the end of the day, you watch a team, you know, watch New England Patriots, watch Philadelphia Eagles, you know, they're running inside zone, outside zone, power counter, you know, and they're dressing up a little RPO every now and then. I mean, it's nothing, not rocket science, but you got to defend it. And they're really good at it. You know, they don't make mistakes. They don't turn the ball over. You know, they make teams turn the ball over. I mean, it's, hasn't changed you know you can look back to football all the way to the 60s and 70s you know don't turn the ball over run the ball you're gonna win a lot of football games and and you like you said it gets lost in translation a lot of times with with uh coaches you know and myself included at times where you, you start getting ahead of yourself or thinking what's the new thing we can put in what can we do we can add this in the run game we can do this and you know all, all the stuff you want to add or do or shift or motion or, or whatever it is and, and then it's just kind of like Okay, well, let's make sure whatever run we put in, let's make sure it's it's not one that's going to be a negative. Let's make sure we gain yards on it. And if we gain yards and, and get into whatever, like, you know, third and four, third and two, we're going to be okay. We're going to get first downs. We're going to control the clock and, and put pressure on a good, on a defense or on uh, on their defense, put pressure on their offense. So, like you said, it's really simple and it's been fairly simple uh, throughout the time. You can play – Know, run the ball and and have timely passing and play good defense. You're going to be all right. You know, I, I think that that gets lost. You know, I was very blessed that, like I said, have my father as a head coach and played a really good university and play. You know, coach at one of the best high schools in the state is that. You know, you come out of college, you have all these grand ideas, and then you get told, <laughs> "No, nope, that doesn't. You know, we don't do that here. Nope, we don't do that here." It's like, God, these guys have no clue what they're doing, and then all of a sudden. You win 49 nothing. You win 35 nothing. You win 48-6. You know, you're putting it on teams, and it's like, no, we don't need to do all that stuff. We can beat teams doing this, and we don't need to be that complex because we can win games doing this. And I think, you know, that, that's part of it that gets lost. Is you don't Sometimes you don't need 30 different plays. You can run power for four yards a play, run power three straight down, just first down. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, a team, if a team can't stop, you know, run the, run the power podcast. Here we go. Run the power for four yards. If they can't stop it, guess what we're doing the next play? We're going to run at the same play. And if they can't stop it again, we're going to run at the same play. And if they don't stop it all the way down the field, eventually we're going to be in the end zone. And it's really simple. <laughs> but if you can't, you know, if the team wants to do that against you, you better be able to stop it or else, you know, yeah, you're going to lose games. But I think, like I said, I was very fortunate to have people around me that have been able to portray that. And I think there's a lot of people out there that get that, that, you know, if a team can't stop your best play, it's run it. Keep running it. Make them stop it, and then go to your next best play. If they can't stop that, run that till they stop it. And I think that's the uh, you know football is a really simple game: block and tackle, and run the ball. That's what it comes down to. And develop your players. I know as a head coach too, I, I would imagine that the uh, the weight program and the off season program has been something you've probably had to kind of hang your hat on as well. Talk a little bit about how you kind of got uh, got that rolling, or was it already a pretty good culture when you got there? Uh, you know, they had a pretty good culture. You know, Coach Mahoney, who's now our athletic director, who's been there, I think he coached there for 19 years before I got there, um, did a really good job. You know, their weight program, you know, like I so said, we had 
we're a school of about 925. We, I think we have 140 young men and women in there. You know, we have almost a full softball team, a full volleyball team. We've got about 80 to 85 football kids in there daily. Um, it's a great culture. And I think, you know, our big thing we stress is one team. You know, everyone kind of wears different jerseys, but they're all Fort Atkinson. I think, you know, it's kind of a cool model because, they, you know, we got girls golfers there. We got boys golfers. We got swim team. I mean, they're all support each other and root each other on, you know, in that smaller high school setting. But, you know, I think the big thing we do is we had, we told the kids, you know, we went to our first parent player meeting. We said, listen, we're asking two hours a day from you, seven to nine. And that's Monday through Thursday. And that's all we're asking. We're asking for eight hours a week. We're going to do mm-hmm. two seven on sevens in the summer. We're going to have our five contact days, which are allowed by the state. And that's all we're asking of you. You know, I, I think, like I said, you know, thinking back to when I was a kid, we lifted two hours a day. We didn't do any seven on seven. We didn't do any team camps. You know, our, my, our father, my dad was really good about, listen, we want you there for two hours. Then we want you out, go work, go golf, go be a kid. You know, we don't want you there for six hours and three of them's throwing and one hour is a film. And, you know, I, I think the big thing about football and, you know, football is a numbers game. We all know that you want good numbers. You, Hey, you got to make it fun. Uh, I, I think I tweeted that out there. At the core of it, we're still playing a game. Football needs to be fun. But the, you know, so that second part of that is, you know, as a teacher, I like my summers. You know, my summers when you get to get away from everybody and, you know, you're with your guys, but you're away from the school setting. But, you know, if you, if we as adults were told, listen, you need to be here for four hours a day, five days a week, and then on the weekends we're going to seven on seven, I don't think many of us would like our jobs if we had to do that, you know. And then to tell a 15, 18-year-old kid, hey, you know, while your friends that don't play football are out doing all this stuff, you need to be here and you need to be in the weight room for two hours. You need to be out running for another hour. Then we're going to seven on seven this night. You know, I, I think I don't know how much I would enjoy that. And I love football. Like I absolutely love football. I mean, and people might disagree with that and say, well, you know, we're trying to be this team. We're trying to be that team. I said, you know, that that's all good in that. But I, I think the culture of it is, you know, we work hard while we work hard. You know, we work hard while we're there. And then we're going to rest hard while we're gone. You know, and I think, you know, you give the kids some time and space and they're going to stick around. You know, I, I think that's a big thing is we want, don't want a lot of turnover of kids leaving after every year because they're, you know, they don't like football or, they hate it, the time commitment. You know, I think you got to meet them at the medium there and say, you know, this is our expectation. You need to meet that because we're respecting your time as well. I, I completely agree with that. You know, you're not saying, hey, let's not go up here and, and be, you know, be around football. You're saying, hey, give us two hours and get you out. I think the most atrocious uh, thing I ever see is when guys have to be up somewhere for three hours when it could be done in an hour and a half. You know, mm-hmm. if they were just – if they were working and the the coaches and everybody was were efficient and had everything going like it needed to be, it could take an hour and a half, but it's taking three hours to get done. I think that's when you start getting some of that. And I don't know if burnout's the word, but that's when you get kids that are starting to get bored. They're bored, and then I get, I've been in it. You know, they start thinking, "Hey, why is this taking so long? It doesn't need to take this long. We could do this an hour and a half. We could do this, this, and this, and get out." You know, where if you're really going and you're really getting after it for an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is, you're not getting that thought in your mind. You're just working that whole time. Then you bring it up. You say, "Good work," and then and then, like you said, go work, go golf, go do whatever it is that you want to go do. Get away from it a little bit. We got our work in, and we were uh, efficient with our time. You know, and that's a the thing I think I've realized, and you can probably attest to this too, I, mean, I think every coach can, is we all love football. But like, you know, I mentioned earlier, we have kids that play football that might not love 
football as their first sport. Mm-hmm. But that's what they're, you know, we're in a farming community. I've got kids that wake up and they say, listen, I can't be at lifting. I need to work on the farm from 3.45 a.m. till 1 p.m. And I can't do it. And then I, am, I literally work that far. I go work my farm job. I go work on my own family farm. And then I have to go to bed. You know, and it's like, listen, what am I, what do you want me to tell you? No, you can't play football because you're missing all these workouts. It's like, I think you got to meet the kids at the meeting. You know, I think that's a, a big misconception. A lot of people are missing the boat on this. They're saying, well, kids are lazy. They're not committed to this. And that's like, you know, I don't know how committed I would be to my job if every day my administrators were telling me, you need to be here for eight hours. And then on top of that, on Saturday, we're going to go and do this professional development for six hours, two hours away at somebody's team camp. And then on Sunday, we're going to watch film. And then on Monday, we're going to come back at 6 a.m. We're going to lift for three hours and run. You know, I mean, I think we just got to we got to think about this a little bit and say, would we want to do this if we were in that situation? Now, some people might say yes, but I think the majority of us are, you know, we, we got to see it for what it's worth and say, we have to figure out how to be smarter with our time. You know, you want your numbers to be up. You got to keep the kid that, you know, loves his NFL team and really likes to play the game, but doesn't love to play the game at times. We have to figure out, hey, how do we keep those kids involved? You know, that could be, you know, that was a great post. That point guard on your basketball team that loves basketball but likes playing football with his buddies could be your starting corner. If he yeah. doesn't show up, who's your next corner? You know, that catcher on your baseball team could be your nose guard. If he doesn't show up because you tell him, no, nope, you either have to choose between football and baseball. If he doesn't show up, who's your next guy? I think you got to be careful with how you do that, but also say, you know, it's not that we're not working. We're just going to be efficient with our time, and when we're done, we're done. You know, we're not going to sit there and, you know, grind and grind and grind and grind. We're not going to put in 10 hours a day. I said, you're, I don't know. That's my opinion. And like I said, there's people that would probably disagree, but I guess that's just where we're at with that. No, I, and my favorite point that you brought up is is how would you like it as an adult, you know? One of the things that shocked me was, like, everyone always talked about how kids were always on their phone, always on their phone, and, like, that. I kind of bought into that as a college kid. And I got to, you know, my job where I was at school and, and we had to go to certain meetings and all I saw were teachers on their phone in the middle of meetings. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. I was like, I would have been fired and ran for hours if I was ever on a, on my phone in a, in a meeting at football uh, when I was playing, you know? So I was kind of shocked. I was like, it's kind of what everyone's letting them get away with. And then, and then also I was going to say like, like you said, if we had to go to personal development over the summer. And I think it comes back to, again, with efficiency or even during the year, you got to go up for a staff meeting, uh, you know, with your school, you know, how much happier would you be instead of that 45 minute staff meeting? If really it could take 10 minutes, you were in there the whole time, they were banging stuff out about what you needed to do. Okay, here's what we need to do. This, 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 you get it done in that 10 minutes. Okay, here you go. As long as you guys are paying attention, we're working through the staff meeting. We're done in 10 minutes, get you guys out, go do what you need to get done. You know, I, I think, again, it comes yep. down to being efficient with your own time. That way you can be efficient with the kids' time. Yep, yep, totally agree. I, I, you guys are all talking the, the same stuff I believe in, you know, and it's a lot of the, the focus three, the, you know, Tim and Brian Kite stuff. You know, are you acting on default or are you acting on discipline? You know, d- discipline programs have that plan in place. So it's already been thought out. So rather than you, you come in on a Monday morning and slapping together something and all of a sudden now, okay, we got to redo this or we got to redo that. And, it, and you, now all of a sudden it takes three hours. The same thing with those meetings that they slap together when you're in education, right? And you're like, why are we sitting here for 45 minutes when I could have got this in an email or it should have taken just 10 minutes? You know, it, it just takes a little bit of planning on the front end. I mean, meeting after, after a workout we do in the summertime now, we meet as a staff, it takes 10 minutes. 
and we can plan the next day. And all of a sudden, you know, you have an organized plan. The kids know that you're organized. We get in, we get out. And, and it's like you said, it's when it's when it's disorganized and then you know, you're blaming the kids for maybe being lazy or you're blaming other people for those problems. I think that's when things really get bogged down because you're not being disciplined with your time and with your meetings. Yep. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, you know like, you, you're around programs right. that they're like, uh, you know, the kids are you're exactly right. Oh, the kids are lazy out there. They're not ready to work out today. They're, there's no, there's no whatever intensity. And then you're doing a three hour workout or you're doing a, <laughs> you know, you, you've held them in meetings for an hour and a half before practice. And you're like, well, what, well, you know, coach, what do you expect? I, I know. I, I, there's no way I could possibly meet for, for an hour and a half. I mean, we have admin meetings now. I just took an instructional coaching job. If we're going for an hour and a half, I mean, I'm like, we got to take a break because I can't sit here and think about all the, I can't sit here and think about all that stuff for, for an hour and a half. You know, I can't imagine what it'd be like as a kid, you know? Nope. Uh, like I said, you know, I think one of my favorite things, Coach Leopold and Coach Berlin, you know, our practices are way where they're down to the minute detail. You know, every five minutes a horn's going to ring. We're moving. I, I think that's, you know, show me your practice plan and I'll tell you how successful your practice will be. I argue you look around the thing, you find people that have organized practices, they're script out Skelly, they script out seven on seven, they script out a team. You know, that practice moves versus teams that stand around and they're wasting 10 minutes and coaches don't know where they're going. You know, and, I, and you can probably, like I said, show me the records and show me the practice plans of teams and this and that. I'm sure you can figure out, you know, who's organized and who's not. That was something I never even knew was a thing until, until we started talking, until I got into the coaching career and started talking to certain coaches that some people don't script their practices. And I, I mean, I had, I was foreign to me. I had no idea. I, you know, they go out there and it, it's kind of crazy. I I'd never heard of that until I got into it. And I was like, you know, what, what do you mean you don't script the practices? And they, and they just don't. And like you said, yeah, it's, it's just know. a huge it's inefficiency, crazy. it seems. Yeah, well, it's like a lesson plan. I wouldn't go and teach U.S. history a lesson about Vietnam War and not have a lesson plan. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go into practice without a lesson plan. You know, at the end of the day, football is still teaching. Got to have a lesson plan for the day. Hey, what are we doing today, Coach? Hold on, I'm getting on Google. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it, man. That's you said it too, Coach. You know, being able to tell each coach where he's at and what he's responsible for. I think it's the same thing. You know, it's one thing to say, all right, we're going to do 10 minutes to seven on seven, 10 minutes a team, but given each coach a specific job, Hey, you're watching the backside of the offensive line during this. Hey, during special teams, you're going to take the upbacks, you know, during Indy having your drills scripted, you know, you see a lot of guys that, that still do not do those things. And, and you wonder why practice gets bogged down is because they're, they're making it up as they go. <laughs> Well, I think the you know the big thing about that too is you can't watch all eleven guys all at once. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can see the overall did the play work, did the play not, but you might not know that the backside guard didn't hit a block because you're watching the front side where the play was going, and then you're like, who made the play? And then you know you're asking five different people, and no one knows, and then you don't have huddle sidelines. Like, well, I guess we don't know who made that play, and then that same person's making the play the whole game. And then you get there on <laughs> Friday night, watch the film, and you're like, huh. It was that guy the whole game. Why didn't anyone tell me? Well, no one was watching that. Uh, I think like, the more specific you can be and you can give people jobs that they can put some ownership on, then it's like, listen, it's on you to tell us what's going on. You need to be really good at your job. And if you're not, you're letting us down. You, know, you need to do your job. Just do your job. That's one of the things I've loved about, you know, we, we've already started dabbling in it, but just splitting up our practice, almost running like so when we're running team. We have two 
two different scrimmages going on at the same time. So you'll have one on the south end of the field and one on the north end of the field. And it, it forces you to split up your staff and it makes those guys take ownership. Hey, you're going to have to signal. You're going to have to call it. You're going to have to talk to the quarterback. You're going to have to, you know, understand all of our routes, understand our, our scheme. I just think it, it's really accelerated, you know, our coaching staff in addition to obviously now there's 44 guys on the field getting reps at the same time. I love it. It's fun. Right. Well, I, like I said, we're in a unique situation where, you know, we got this year we won't have a JV team. Just We're going to bring all of our sophomores up. But our freshman team will have about 40 kids in it. So then we're sitting there thinking around, you know, there's eight, nine of us because coach were like, how are we going to coach our freshmen? Well, all of our city coaches, we're going to have to coach our freshman team up as well. Dang right. But then they're like, well, if we're a defensive coach, you better know the offense. And if they're an offensive coach, you better know the defense. But then at the end of the day, it's going to make everyone a lot better because you're just going to be overall more knowledgeable about the game. And I think people get locked in. You know, I got locked in when I came out of college. and played defensive back in college, and I played coach defensive back at some prairie, and then take the head job. It's like, you know, maybe. You know, I just worked Whitewater Scrimmer Camp, and I said, hey, can I work with a quarterback? I want to work with a quarterback just so I can listen to their head coach talk about working with quarterbacks and work with quarterbacks. I'd never played quarterback. You know, I can't throw a ball 30 yards. <laughs> but just listening to the coaching points, it's like you can pick up so much just by doing something for three days. And then you go back and you can see, you know, this is not how they coached it. You know, your feet weren't right. The ball's not set. Different things where you can pick up on tidbits. You know, it's a shouldn't get locked into one position. Say, well, I'm just a blank coach. Like, no, you should be a football coach. And football coach says, listen, if our linebackers coach can't be there for the day, someone needs to fill it up. You know, mm-hmm. Someone needs to step in. Well, whoever that is, you know, I think that makes a great benefit if you can be diverse in what you can do. And even if you know a little bit about it, you know, that's better than knowing absolutely nothing. I love it, man. That, those, those are some of my favorite days. You know, you get guys that, that go on different vacations and you get to go coach a different spot. So, I mean, literally at Ankeny, I've, I coached the receivers, but I've coached, you know, quarterbacks, I've coached running backs, I've coached offensive line, I've helped out on defense. And, and to me, it's the most fun because, one, you get to know all the kids. And then, you know, two, I just think it, it, it makes you that much better when you kind of know the overall scheme of what's going on and who can maybe help out in different spots. I think it's, it's, it's such a, a huge tool in your toolbox if you understand all those different things. Be a ball coach. Don't just be a position coach. I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree. Coach, I'd like to kind of go back and, and touch on you. You were talking about, you know, the, the hiring process a little bit as a head coach. And I'm not sure if, if you've gotten to do that yet or, or, you know, maybe your situation was when you took the head coaching job. But, um, you know, what are some things that you look for when you're interviewing a coach? I know one thing you said was you kind of touched on was just the love of football. And that's something that me and Walls have talked about a lot over the last three years. And, and that's kind of what, Walls has always said his very first question would be was, you know, how much do you love football? How much can you prove that you love football? So what are, what are maybe some of your, the things you're trying to learn about an assistant coach uh, when you are interviewing for those positions? You know, I, I think one of the things, you know, and you kind of hit it there is anyone can say they love football and then you say, well, how much do you love football? And they say, well, I love football a lot. <laughs> like, all right, how much do you like working? How much do you like working with kids? You know, my, and that's always my second follow-up question is, can you teach kids? And they say, well, what do you mean we're a football coach? Like, well, coaching, teaching, can you teach kids? If I say here's 30 kids and here's the lesson plan for the day, can you come up with an organized plan? And can you not lose your mind if little Timmy in the back corner who's not paying attention, you say, hey, you need to have this ready to go. We have a game Friday. Are you going to lose your mind? Are you going to redirect it? How are you going to approach him? You know, 
You get a kid that says, I'm not going to be there. How do you talk to him? And I think, you know, the big thing about looking for guys, and you know, there's a lot of dudes out there that say, well, I love football. You know, and they love football, but they don't love working with kids. You know, and I think you get some people out there that, you know, I think we all know people that are trying to coach this thing for their personal gain. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with moving up the ladder, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with trying to get a better job. That's all part of coaching. But then you ask, you know, why, why are you coaching football? And they, they talk to him and very, you know, the really good coaches I've ever talked to. And I say, you know, I really like working with kids. I like working with them. I like being around them. I like bettering them. I want to create young men and women if you're, in, you know, in a coaching a women's sport. And I think that's a big thing we look for, you know, I've looked for as hiring assistants is, you know, do you love football? And if you love football, how much do you love working with kids? Because at the end of the day, we're not coaching, you know, professional football. We're working with adults. You know, we're working with 14-year-olds who can't drive there, that their parents, you know, they're just hitting puberty, to some of us have 18-year-olds that are going to play Division One FBS ball, you know. And if you're at some of these schools, you're going to have everyone in between. You know, it's just a, it's a different different ball game coaching high school versus college, where high school you don't necessarily get to pick and choose the kids you want in that program. You get who you get, and then you get who shows up. So can you work with a diverse group of individuals? Can you work with different socioeconomic statuses? Can you work with, you know, the kid that's going to be a stud player? And then can you coach him just as hard as you coach your third stringer? And I think that's, that's all parts that go to it, that people really want to coach the starters, but no one really wants to coach a VR team on Saturday mornings. And you say, well, I thought you love football. You know, you love football so much, you should be willing to coach freshman football with me. You know, you should be willing to work with everyone. You should be willing to go talk to the youth coaches. So I, I think there's people that love talking about football, I guess. <laughs> yeah. There's people that love coaching football, but there's, you know, even fewer people that love football and they're willing to sacrifice their time. They're willing to take, you know, a $2,000 stipend for 200 hours of work. You know, and it's a thing, like I said, it's a thankless job. You know, I think head coach, assistant coach, volunteer coach, whatever. You know, you're never going to get thanked as much as you should. Parents, fans, you know, I think that's the big thing. Everyone thinks the product that's on Friday night just works. You know, no one's given up their Saturdays and their Sundays and their personal family time to do that type of job. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, I couldn't imagine doing anything, you know, doing any other job. You know, I went to college, knew I wanted to be a high school coach, knew I wanted to get into high school teaching. You know, people say, well, what about the money? What about this? And that's like, but, you know, that's not what I love football. That's what I like doing. You know, you might like having all the money in the world and having a big house or a big lake house, but yeah, it would be cool to have. You know, if I could afford that on a teaching salary, I'd like that too. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's fine. You know, do you love football? Do you love coaching football? Or do you actually love, love, love football? And I think, you know, a good assistant, if they really love football and they're willing to work in the weight room, they're willing to meet with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got some great guys that I've been able to bring in from different parts of Wisconsin that, they love football. I mean, they're coming an hour each way to come sit in the weight room with the kids and they're meeting with them on their own time and volunteer. Work. I mean, they love football. And that's the beginning of a good staff versus people that, you know, they want to show up on Friday nights and put the headset on and take the pictures and post them on social media and say all the things, you know. But then you ask them to do the dirty work of ODK in a game and they're nowhere to be found. You know, that's the oh. person that talks about loving football. They don't love football. No. There's a difference between it. Dude, I, you're you're making me you're making me get freaking psyched here because this this is a, a great topic and I love it because you said it. You know, you say you love football, and then we had Coach Maddox on, and Coach Maddox talked about kind of his three prerequisites, and, and number one was show up. 
you know, if we ask our kids to show up, how many, how many times have you seen, you know, we have attendance issues with coaches, you know, and I get it. There, there's some things you can't avoid, you know, family issues, whatever it might be. But if you have open time and you knowingly choose to not come because you're tired or you got something else you want to do, you don't love football. And then the, the other one he talked about was work. You know, it's, it's easy to go out on Friday night and, and coach guys and watch them make plays and win. You know, it's fun to go out with the guys after the game and celebrate. It's not fun to clean uniforms, you know, that are sweaty. It's not fun to have to go out and pick up the field. It's not fun to have to show up at the weight room in the morning at 6 a.m. and have to set up the stereo and have to, to clean all the stuff up and get the workouts ready and change their cards. You know, that, that's what separates to me, you know, true love of football and then just cherry picking all the cool things about it. I'm going to give him a shameless plug to his book, Dapt or Die. Awesome book. If you don't have it and you're listening, go get it. It's a great book. I listened to his Run the Power podcast. That thing was he was awesome. And that dude had me ready to run through a, he had me ready to run through a brick wall, but I think he hits it on the head. Is There's a lot of parts of the job that are really not that glorious. Mm-hmm. You know, First day we showed up, I'm like, shoot, we don't have water bottles filled. And then I found out, oh, we got girls coming. You know, we have girl managers. They come help out. But I forgot. I was like, I didn't tell them the time to show up. And we're about to start in 30 minutes. We need water. You know, it's, it's, it's parts of that, that, you know, and you said it, you can cherry pick it, you know, you can cherry pick all the little parts about what do you like? You know, I, I think you can ask anybody from youth football all the way up to the NFL. You know, if you don't really love coaching football, you're going to burn out. You're going to be like, this just ain't for me. You know, it's going to be, you know, when if you lose a couple games or this and that, if you base your love of football on your wins and losses and what Friday nights are, you're going to be really disappointed really quick because that, that stuff, you know, that's for most teams in America, that's nine games a year, maybe 10 if you're, you know, further down south or if you make the playoffs. Eventually, there's only one that, you know, there's one state champion. And at the end of it, you know, that's November, December. Then you got January, February, March, April, May, June, July, all the way to August, where the people that really love football are going to be there. And the people that, ah, I don't know if I love football, you know, I'm going to show up in the weight room every now and then. Then I'm going to show up to some of the staff meetings and this and that. You know, those are the people like that. That's just cherry picking what you like. You know, I don't know if you can be a really good coach and just cherry pick, you know, the parts about it and the glorious parts and all. I want to be, I want to be in and all the wins, but I don't want to be there when we got to clean the uniforms or when we got to pick up the bags or when we got to clean the locker room up a little bit or, you know, just some of that stuff. I mean, you're either, you know, we talk about it with our guys. You're either all the way in or you're all the way out. All the way in doesn't mean you need to be there 100%, you know, 100%, you know, all the time, all in, you know, five hours a day. 100% means you're committed to everyone. You're willing to do what we ask of you. If you're in, you're in. But if you're out, you better be out. You know, you can't waver and say, well, I want to be in when I want to be in. Then I'm going to be out when I don't want to be in. And that's just not healthy for anything. Well, then you touched on it, Walls, and, and one of the big ones I've always, I've always thought was, like, you, you can't hold a kid to a standard that you're not holding yourself to. So, you can't, Amen. in my opinion, and maybe you can, but, but the way I can process it in my mind, I'm not able to do that. You know, that's why, you know, some people will be like, number one, I don't have any money. But number two, people will be like, you know, are, are, you, make, are you taking any trips or whatever this summer, you know, over, over the whatever, over workouts? I'll be like, no. Um, you know, we don't really like the kids to necessarily take – trips you know we give them two weeks off whatever one in june and one in july so mm-hmm. we, we expect them to be take their vacations then um I, i'm not going to take another extra week off what would my time is more important than the kids time like 
for whatever reason, that just doesn't register very well to me. And so, uh, again, not against anyone else, but that's how I have to like visualize it in my mind is that I got to hold myself to the same standards as I'm holding them to. I can't go say, Hey, why are you, why'd you miss to go on vacation to Colorado for a week when the week before I took a vacation to Florida, right? It doesn't, just doesn't compute to me. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, you know, People can say, well, kids are this, or kids are lazy, or kids don't listen, or they're undisciplined. And I think, I'm sure, you can say whatever you want about your kids, whatever kids you want in America. The one thing kids are, are and they're, is they're not dumb. You know, they mm-hmm. might make really dumb decisions. But at the end of the day, 14 to 18-year-old young men are not dumb. And they can tell if you're just, as, you know, you're just speaking about it. You know, Brian Kite, he came out with a great thing. I, I can't remember what video he bought. He's like, listen, average cultures have quotes. Yeah, something along the lines of good cultures and act them and great cultures have a plan with all of it. And, you know, you can, you can be lip service and just say, you know, we expect you to be here. You should be here every day. And then <laughs> the kids are going to turn around the next day and say, but you're not here. <laughs> you know, exactly. why aren't you here? Why aren't you, you know, you can tell, you know, one of the things we talk to our staff, listen, we want the kids jogging at the bare minimum from drill to drill. We don't want to walk in the field. But then if they turn around and see our staff walking around, they're going to say, well, this just doesn't make sense to me. And whether, you know, whether right or wrong, you can say, well, we're the adults. We get the, yeah, you can say all that. But at the end of the day, what are you really saying then? You know, if you want your kids there all summer, you darn near better be ready to show up all summer. You want your kids going to all these seven on sevens, your coaches better be going to all the seven on sevens if they can. You know, I, I think, like I said, kids just, the kids aren't dumb. You know, you can say what you want, lazy, undisciplined, this and that. But yeah, you know, they, they're really not that dumb. You know, they can figure that out. And then, like I said, when we were all there, you could probably figure out the adults you had in your life that were just lip service to you. And, you know, you can make, make of it what you want. But at the end of the day, they'll figure it out. You know, they will figure it out. Well, and then my last point about, you know, like, like we said, like the kids being lazy or, or whatever everyone, everyone says, like with quotes around it, um, you very rarely, if ever, hear that from, from coaches or people. Uh, like we had Cap on from your coaches or people that hold these kids to a high standard. You know, the, the guys that are, are good, tough coaches hold their kids to a high standard and show them, you know, how they're supposed to act. Very rarely, if ever, do you ever hear them talking about how lazy their kids are, you know, because their kids act in a manner that they expect them to. And so a lot of right. times you hear the, the people that aren't mm-hmm. holding their kids up to a high standard that aren't, um, you know, having high expectations of their kids those are the ones to me that you hear complain about how lazy and how unmotivated and, and how, you know, whatever the kids are. You know, I think, I think you've had coach Vint on before from down near Lubbock. I think at Cicado. And I remember he had a tweet. This is the first I started following him maybe two, three years ago. And I remember him. he said, if you really want to be humble, ask your kids what they think about you and how you act. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that and I said, you know, if we're going to sit there and say, well, our kids that, you know, we don't say this, but if I would come and say our kids at Fort Atkinson, they're lazy, they're slow, they don't do anything, this and that. If you turn around and said, our practices are organized, unorganized. Our coaches' efforts at coaching us are lackluster, excellent. And if you go back and ask them, something that is really interesting if you ask the kids what their opinion of, because I guarantee you what, they will be brutally honest with you. And that was one of the things he said, and I took it from him and said, ask your kids every three weeks to every month, what do they think about your teaching? What do they think about the class? How do you think they're being treated? They give them, you know, give them that forum. What do you think about this? Be honest. And, you know, I think, you know, it's really unfair to sit there and say everything about the kids, but, you know, it kind of goes, circles back to our earlier point is, 
Well, if you don't have an organized practice plan, guess what? They're going to figure that out. And they might have the same thing to say about you that you're saying about them. Uh, that's double-edged sword. You want to talk about your kids in a negative manner. I'm sure you're not doing everything perfect either. So I think that's where you be really careful, you know, the way you speak about, you know, those are your guys. You know, I don't think <laughs> exactly. like that everyone wants to yep. speak about what everyone else's guys and what everyone else's kids are doing. Everyone else's kids are lazy. But if someone were to come evaluate your program, you know, what's your program like? You know, how, you know, are you doing all the things that you guys are preaching? Are you living by the quotes that you put out there? I think you know, that's really important to be careful. You know, Coach Borland, I guess I'll bring him back. We always do say, unless, you're, unless your backyard is perfectly mowed, trimmed, and green, don't worry about someone else's. <laughs> uh, that's something we live by. Like I said, if you're not showing up for weights, don't talk about someone else's not showing up for weights. Uh, I think that's really simple to live by, really something simple to live by. I love all that stuff, man. No doubt. Well, Coach, it's been a great hour. Uh, kind of how I finish all of them is, is my, my last question is, uh, when you're watching someone else's offensive line, uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Ooh, good question. I'd say if they can come five yards downfield and offense, they're still throwing the ball. You're a really good O-line coach. That or something, you know the referees <laughs> on that line. <laughs> I swear. I can't remember who was just somebody defensive coordinator saving at the uh, Texas clinic. I remember listening to that. He said, you guys keep getting away with this. I said, you guys think this is cool. It's cheating. But, you know, I, I, think, I think one thing, you know, from a defensive backfield perspective, everyone's like, well, what do you know about the O-line? I said, listen, we have, you know, we're key in the O-line. We're getting stuff like that is I think, the best old lines I've ever watched and played against were old lines that finished. And we talked about this, what we tell our line, you finish through the echo of the whistle and it's not dirty. It's not cheap, but it's the dude that on screen plays, even though the back might be downfield, old linemen are still going and finishing people and they're getting downfield and, you know, inside zone, you know, even though it might only hit for three yards, you got linemen putting people on or defensive linemen on the ground. They're hitting linebackers. They're never stopping. You know, I think again, it's an effort thing. I think, you know, above technique and above everything, you know, old lines can get by in high school, especially if you got great effort from your old line and they're willing to move people and get after people. I think you got something pretty special in the making, but you know, you get some of these lines that they hit their guy one time and they stop and it's like, <laughs> anyone can do that. But I think, you know, play, playing through the echo of the whistles, big thing from the old line. Love it. I used to hate when the guys would, would, you know, hit a guy and then, you know, kind of bounce off of him. And then they always did the face mask adjust. <laughs> or the or the mouthpiece adjust. That was always my, my pet peeve on film. I'd always rewind it. Hey, face mask adjust. And then the kids and all the all the other guys would kind of make fun of them or whatever. So that was, I hated that. <laughs> Spectating and then face mask adjust. Well, always that like looked good for the Twitter Instagram picture. That's right. I always hate the pat on the back after battling a little bit. Oh. Like the, the sign of mutual respect thing. Ugh. I I oh, never absolutely. got I never got into that. <laughs> I'll give all, I'll, long story short, we, I, I learned that real quick in college football. I thought, you know, <laughs> we saw guys doing that, and our defensive coordinator about lost it. He's like, if we ever slap a guy's hand from the opposing wide receiver or making a catch or knock him down, he's like, we don't help him up. But don't help him up. Play clean, but they're not your friends. That's you know, right. we're not out here playing football to make <laughs> friends from the opposing team. You know, these guys aren't your buddies. They're trying to tackle your guys. They're trying to get after your guys. Why are you patting this guy in the butt and saying, good job, man, high five? You know, I, I think one of the funnier things I've ever heard is you don't get a C in a test and then go to the guy that got an A and say, hey, man, great job. You know, you got an A. You <laughs> kick my butt. You know, you don't, do the, you don't do that in the classroom. You don't, you know, you don't go to the gas station and say, hey, man, 
way to beat me to the pump. You know, you got a great price there. You know, why are we doing this? <laughs> Slap a guy on the back in the football field. That's just – listen, you tell the guy at the end, good game, and then we get out yeah. of our lives and go back home. Yeah, you you watch the guys in the in in the octagon. You know, MMA. Hey, boom! It's the tap gloves at the start. If they hate each other, they don't. But then at the end, it's always the hug. Hey, sorry, I knocked you unconscious. Sorry, I broke your leg. Sorry, I snapped your arm <laughs> yeah. in half. But hey, man, it was competition, and we we stepped in there as mutual respect. But during the fight, you don't see any of that stuff. It's competition. No, listen, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's I don't know. If we start doing that. I might just have to go into a different sport because that just—I don't know—that'll drive me nuts. You know, hey man, congrats for getting the promotion. Good job. Yeah. Thanks like, for uh, thanks for beating me out on this job. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.